Welcome to the iHealth Podcast, a podcast for you to relate to like-minded individuals discussing hot topics all related to rehab, fitness, and business. Brought to you by Iron Health from Westchester, New York. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the iHealth Podcast. Today we get to meet with Sam Davis. She's a huge role model and leader in the women's health and wellness industry. And today we chat about how she got into that, a little bit about business. We also chat about how quarantine has affected her and how she's been able to work with her clients and also how it's affected the fitness industry as a whole. We also talk about the future of the fitness industry and where we see things going. Let's jump into things. Sam, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and welcome to the IELTS podcast. How's it going? Absolutely. It's so good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So the way I like to start these podcasts is really give an introduction on you. You know, how did you get to where you are now? What made you get into the fitness industry and kind of your story? Yeah, so I kind of have a a long story before I end up in the fitness industry. I bounced around for a bit. Um, I'll cliff note it. But basically, after I was done playing softball, I went and trained. um, I was a personal trainer at U of A. And I trained a few girls there. And I really loved it. It was kind of like a side hustle, side passion type of deal. Um, And that's when I really got into nutrition. Nutritional sciences is something that I I studied in college and I just loved it. So I practiced on the girls that I trained at U of A. And then after I graduated from U of A, my parents really pushed nursing school. They said, you really want, like, like, you know, you don't want to be scraping from the bottom of the barrel. You want to, you know, a normal income that comes every two weeks, you know, the normal paycheck type of career. Um, and so I, not knowing what I was going to do, I switched my major like four or five times in college, not really knowing what I wanted to do, just knowing I wanted to help people. I went into nursing for a year. I was on a fast track program, um, through Cochise college. They have a bridge program with U of A and I was there for a year. And right when we started clinicals, we, I just realized that it wasn't for me. I mean, my classmates were getting up and just so happy to be there. They were just bouncing off the walls at 4am and I was the exact opposite. And I don't want to be the nurse that comes to your bedside table and, you know, is miserable. I didn't want to be that type of (laughs) caregiver. Yeah, Um, It just, it takes a really special person to be a nurse. I appreciate nurses. I just, I couldn't do it. I, there's just no way. Um, So after that, I came back up to Phoenix and I was in Tucson at the time. I came back up to Phoenix And I started my own personal training business um, here, and I was going to all of my clients' homes and training them in-home. Luckily, in Scottsdale, there's quite a few uh, moms up here that have in-home gyms. So that's kind of, that was my demographic at the time. And one of my favorite things to do, go ahead. No, I was going to say, that's nice. That's that's a good demographic. Yeah, it was great. It was super fun. I loved it. But the only thing is, is I was working seven days a week. I was working from 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. And I was driving all over the valley. And I, it just wasn't lucrative enough for me. And it wasn't, it didn't give me the lifestyle that I was looking for. One of my favorite hobbies is traveling. I love to travel. I love to camp. I love to get outdoors, see new things. Um, and it didn't give me that schedule. So then I had to sit down and figure out what I was going to do. And from there, I realized that's kind of right at 
that was probably like a year after the online coaching business boom, basically, uh, with fitness happened. And so I got in about a year late. But um, but ever since then, I have really loved what I do. I just I couldn't imagine it any other way. So that's kind of that's the, awesome. the cliff note version, even though it's kind of long. <laughs> No, that was, that was good. And, and, you know, there were some points there that I kind of want to go back and touch on. So when you, when you played softball then in in college? I did. Yes. I played at uh, University of Arizona. I played third base. Awesome. What was that like? Um, You know, I was, I have, I had always wanted to go to U of A. That was my dream. Like my dad and I would go to ASU games. I refused to wear ASU. I would always wear white. Like I, I was just like die hard U of A. That was my goal since I started playing softball. They were just the best team of all time ever. And mm-hmm. um, when I got there, I, I think beforehand I was promised a lot of things. I think this is, this is a very common athlete story, but I was promised a lot of things, expected a lot of things. And what, the program actually was, I, um, I was actually kind of disappointed in, um, it wasn't really the family that they had expressed. And honestly, they just beat us to shit. I, I think that there wasn't enough emphasis on nutrition. There wasn't enough emphasis on recovery. Um, I mean, you know, as an athlete, it's, you beat your body up every single day. And when you're young, you don't really think about it. But then as you get older, you know, even those past injuries kind of come back and, and haunt you. So because you don't take care of them, you don't really think you need to. So I think yep. I think that was pretty much, you know, it was fun. It was a good experience. I'm really happy I did it. Uh, I don't regret it for a second, but I, I, uh, you know, I wouldn't do it again, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm the same way. I mean, I wasn't, is U of A Division One as well? Yes, yeah. So you, you guys are super competitive and that's your life. Yes, it was. Um, I played in like, I, yeah, they focused totally on that, right? I played in the D2 football and that was really in my life. I had to stop after a year. So that's pretty amazing. You played all four years? Played, I, I've only played a year. I had too many concussions. So I came into the program with wow. three concussions and I got two when I was there. So NCAA okay. uh, said no more. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a blessing in disguise, right? It was almost. I don't think the head damage was really a blessing, but it was uh, definitely a time to step back and regroup and say, okay, what do I really want? Because I could have, I mean, there was club sports. I got asked to play rugby, um, you know, things like that. I really considered it, but my dad didn't mm-hmm. need any more head injuries. You know, like I was able yeah, to play still, yeah. but I, NCAA said absolutely not. So, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> Changed your whole career. So when, when you became, when you were coaching at U of A, um, how did that work? Was it with athletes or just kind of the general population? You know, where was that start? It was the, it was really the general population. I actually worked with, uh, oddly enough, being an athlete. I don't know if it was like this at your school, but I worked with a lot of sorority women. And at my school, Mm -hmm. sororities and athletes, like they were completely separate. Like they didn't even like, they didn't even party under the same roof. Like it was completely separate. So (laughs) I actually had a, um, she's actually one of my best friends now. She she reached out to me and said, Hey, one of my, she was dating a baseball player at the time. And um, that baseball player I I was close with, we had just known each other all through college. And um, 
he had recommended me to her. And so that's how I kind of got into the training space. And she became one of my best friends, my training partner throughout the rest, like the end of college. And it really fueled my, my love for training women. It was, it was a blast. I had a blast doing it. And it wasn't, it wasn't so, um, like technical we're training for softball you know i mean and you know too you you do a ton of compound lifts you're maxing you're really really pushing yourself to the you know the nth degree as far as your body can go and that's not necessarily one of the healthiest ways to exercise um and this was a little more tailored to highly specific goals and it gave me more of a challenge with nutrition and you know they had a specific you know if they wanted to put on weight on their legs or on their booty or define their shoulders more it helped me create programs, you know, that were super, super specific. And it gave me a ton of, you know, education and experience in that regard. So it was really fun. Very cool. Did you, and when you transferred that over to having a, um, a training practice in Phoenix, that 5 a.m., 7 to p.m. thing, was a, it was very much a lot of women there as well? Yeah, it was all women. I chose to do okay. just all women because I honestly, there was, I was, when you start to, Put yourself out there on Instagram, you get a lot of um, inquiries that aren't uh, truthful, I guess is the best way to put it. And mm -hmm. I just can relate more with with women. So I just stay away from from the men side of things. Plus, they don't, I, to be honest with you, men really don't like taking advice from women. So yeah. <laughs> that was the other yeah. obstacle. I could see that too. You know, in, in our field, it's uh, in physical therapy, it's for some reason, men are more geared to like chiropractors because they want something that's fast versus something that takes time. So I don't know if it's it's similar, but you know, it's Probably. it's nice to down. When when you were, we're going to circle back around to the training, but I have one more question. When you were sure. talking about nursing school, like what was that? What was that moment that like in that clinical that put you over the edge to say, you know what, I got to move on. This is not for me. Yeah. So we were actually in, we always start with, I mean, most nursing schools start with geriatrics and I knew it wasn't, that's not where I wanted to be. And that's not where I was going to end up. I really actually went to nursing school because I wanted to be an injectables nurse, um, just with mm. Botox and red, you know, run your own med spa here. I still had that like business kind of, I wanted to own my own space and yada, yada. Um, but I realized that wasn't the kind of impact that I wanted to have. So it was um, really early. It was 4 a.m. And we were walking into, um, you know, like an old folks home or retirement community. And I, you know, got my client list. We have to make the rounds. This story is kind of not cute. So I'm going to do the best <laughs> I can to make it as less graphic as it's possible. A, it's real, though. It's real, though. That's good. Yeah, yeah, definitely real. Um, we walk in and it's, you know, it's four o'clock in the morning. And the first thing you start your day with is, um, you know, an, an old man who is wearing a diaper and has um, basically soiled himself. And it's all over the place. Like at that point, he was senile. He was demented. He, um, he was like spreading it everywhere. Like it was like literally like a like a scene from a psychopath oh, movie or something. Like it was just one of those, like he was yelling at all of us because he didn't recognize any of us, even though we'd been there the day before because he had dementia. Like it was just a mess. And 
I realized I was like, this is not it. This is not at 4 a.m. Like this, this is it just really <laughs> was you know, and everyone was so nice. Everyone was so nice to him and was so and you have to be, of course. It's not like I I wasn't, yeah. but they just it didn't even phase him. I, I, I literally had my yeah. eyes were wide all wide open. I was like, Really guys, this is this is incredible. You guys are incredible. I am not that incredible. I can't I can't do this. <laughs> so that was like the aha moment where I was just like, Yeah, this this is not for me. Even if I wasn't doing geriatrics. I knew I wanted to help people and have an impact, but this was not the impact that was meant for me. Um, it's meant for a lot of other people, but it just wasn't meant for me. So that was my aha story. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fantastic. I love stories like that. They're good. <laughs> so, so when you went to training, you know, I know the trainer's lifestyle that 5 a.m. to 7 is, is tough. Mm. How many clients did you have there? Like, what was your your initial kind of flow like before going online? Yeah. So I was working um, between eight and 10 clients a day. And so Mm -hmm. I had always had to leave about 30 minutes in between clients to get to their homes. So I was constantly going, just constantly going. A lot of times Sundays were a little bit easier. I was off around like two or three, but I was working on Saturdays, you know, excuse me, in order for me to, you know, pay my bills and do what I need to do to eat. I, I had to work all the time. I wasn't charging enough. I didn't realize my, my, um, just my ability to coach. I didn't, I didn't have a high enough standard for myself. So I charged Mm. a really low amount, especially from, I'm going home to home. Like I was charging what you charge, like in a, in a gym setting with a group. Like it really was, I was charging nothing and it really was, it's just because I didn't know my, my worth as a coach had no idea what you could charge as a coach, um, anything like that. So, but yeah, I had about 10 clients a day ish sitting right around there. Um, and it was just, it was just a long and it wasn't as fulfilling as I would have liked because when you're in the industry long enough, you start to realize, especially working with women, you realize that a lot of it has to do with mental shifts, mindset shifts, kind of getting down to those triggers. Why do you actually want to look better? Why do you want to lose weight? Is it a health concern? Is it, I want to feel confident in bed with my husband? Like where there's always a why. And I've realized Mm -hmm. now, especially I mean, I've been doing this for almost eight years now. I realized working with women that it's you, you have a higher success rate when you talk to their emotions and the mental side of things in order to get them to perform in the gym and in the kitchen. So Mm. in, when I was training the women at their homes, I wasn't able to one connect that and two um, really have that side of coaching. And now that I'm online, I can give them their programs, but they also have access to me 24 seven. So they can call me and say, Hey, I'm struggling with this. How do I get through this? And then this more of a mental talk and a mindset game versus a, what do I do in the gym? They have everything they need in the kitchen, in the gym. But if your mind's not in the right place, you're not going to be able to do those things to your best ability. So that's what I really love about coaching now online is I actually have the time to be like an all around health coach and all around mindset mental coach too. That's been my favorite part about it Mm. for sure. 
that's awesome. That's like really cool. How, how did you, cause all these processes start with like yourself, right? Like how did you mm-hmm. raise the standard for yourself? Cause you said early on, you weren't charging that much. What did you do personally to say, you know what, like my worth is way more than this. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was tough. Honestly, it took a coach. I hired a business coach to help me in the first three months of, of um, kind of building everything out. And I kind of, you know, as an ex-athlete, you're kind of like, I don't need help. Like I can do this on my own, but obviously I couldn't. <laughs> I like, I wasn't having the, the, I wasn't getting the lifestyle that I wanted, even with what I thought was going to be lucrative enough on my own. And so I was, I kind of just hit rock bottom at one point emotionally and financially and I was like okay I need to I need help so I actually borrowed money and hired this coach I borrowed money from my parents and hired this coach and the really there wasn't anything that that coach taught me in the three months that I really didn't already know but I just needed somebody else to affirm that which was interesting but it's such a such an athlete mentality I realize looking back now is you need someone there being like, yep, that's good. Do that. You know what I mean? Like you're doing that right. Mm -hmm. Keep going. And it's such a coaching mentality, but that's kind of that shift that had happened was when I had that coach, they were like, look, think about what you do. And then when you break this down per month, think about all the time you're putting in, like we did this exercise where we talked about building out programs and uh, how long we timed everything. How long does it take you to build out a program? How long does it take to do outreach on Instagram or on social media? How long does it take to respond to emails? You know, like you add up all of your time and then you put a price on it. And the price that I put on it was like, I think I was making like 32 cents an hour, like during the month. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So when mm. you put it, when you break it down into that kind of, um, you know, per hour what you're making and what you would charge it makes you go holy shit i i deserve so much more than this my programs work i have testimonials to prove it my girls love me like i deserve way more than 32 cents an hour <laughs> so um, yeah that's yeah. kind of when it was just shifting that perspective and seeing it from a different light you're like okay yeah like i am worth a lot more than 32 cents an hour so that's kind of that's that was the aha like that the, another aha shift moment where i was like okay you know what i you know i do deserve more than than this yeah that's awesome i mean like working on yourself is is, is key and that's cool to really break it down for per hour and say hey what am i worth and what, what's going on yeah <clears throat> so when you took when you took this online, like, how did you really start to develop that business model? Like, how did that start? When did your clients start rolling in? Was there kind of a, a point, you know, early on where you're like, oh, crap, is this going to work? Like, how, how did that feel? Right. Um, there was a lot of oh, crap moments. I mean, even now, it's still a roller coaster. Like, we're, we're yeah. expanding and building <laughs> more businesses and kind of, you know, just adding more stuff. And you're like, well, I hope this works. If not, that sucks. Like that's a, a lot of money down the drain, but it's still like that. And it's, yeah. it, it always has been. The risk was just a lot lower back then, but it seemed bigger. So now I, I've, I've got really comfortable with failing and being uncomfortable. And I think that's what's allowed my business to expand and grow so fast. But back then I was really scared of failing. Um, and that's kind of what held me back as a coach. And on Instagram, I was posting fitness things, posting value, educating people. So when I finally put out a program and said, Hey, you know, I thought I was going to have more, more time to develop a program, but my coach was Mm -hmm. like, just start selling, just start outreach, just sell. And, um, we came up with a, a call script and all this stuff. And, um, 
we, I, I think I, I was on, I had like eight calls scheduled within the week of posting that I was coaching and it was amazing. That's one of those, like those first milestones where you're like, wow, people actually want to learn from me. This is cool. Like I've actually been giving enough value where people want to learn more from me. So that was an affirmation mm. that was really awesome. And then when you get on the calls, that's a whole other ball game because I never, I'm not, I never saw myself as a salesman ever. And I realized once when you, when you talk to clients and you're onboarding clients, the big, the biggest key that you have to remember is you're making a connection and a relationship and once that clicked for me after about eight ten calls it it changed the game completely and I wish I wish I could go back and do those eight calls again because they would be a completely different story now but they were it was such a learning process and and having those connections that's when you kind of realize like okay I can do this these people are, you know, becoming my family and I'm making relationships and I want to serve them. I really want to serve them mm. and I want to help them. And it changes it from having that really, um, that tight grip on the sale. Cause if you don't make the sale, if you can't sell your program, then you just need to let it go. It does. It just means you weren't the right coach for them, but that shift, there's a whole bunch of shifts that happen within those first, like, you know, a couple weeks of selling where you're like, why isn't this working? And then once you realize you need to make connections and relationships and that's what sales is to yeah. and fall into place. Yeah, that's but, awesome. That's that's totally a perspective change, right? Your perspective has to be focused on what, you can't just be blocked into one way of thinking. You have to be open-minded and, understand, and see other ways, right? Yes, absolutely. Especially if it's not working. <laughs> if your first way is not working, yeah. you got to shift your perspective <laughs> for sure. I know a lot of business people and, you know, even even myself like when it comes to actually talking price there's a, a trigger in, in that situation. Like how did, how did you manage to get over that? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, that's a great question. I at first was like, why am I, this is kind of a lot of money, but then I had to remind myself, okay, it's actually not when you break it down. I'm actually charging less than personal trainers in the gym. And it's, you know, there's different packages you can sell things like that, that may work better for, for other women or other clients for any trainer. Um, and so I think it was, again, it was just having that confidence within myself as a coach. Um, you know, you need mm -hmm. to do as a coach, what you need to do to feel confident in selling, whether that's getting more certifications or, you know, you know, educating yourself is a great way to do it. Maybe talking to other coaches, um, talking to other clients and see, getting feedback. Like I'm a huge feedback coach. I want all the feedback because if I thing or change anything that will work better, if I get multiple, like the same type of feedback from multiple different women, then I need to change something. So I'm constantly asking for feedback, but I, I think that learning your worth as a coach helps you sell that package and that price. Um, it's really all about mm -hmm. confidence on the phone because when you get on the phone and you're talking to someone, you know, you, you feel their vibe through the phone. You feel if they're confident, you know, if they're, you know, if they're stuttering, stuttering a lot and kind of um, quiet and, you know, you need to be a presence on the phone and be confident in what you, you bring to the table. You should. And if you're not confident with what you bring mm -hmm. to the table, it might be time to go back to the drawing board or educate more, get more feedback so you can tweak certain things or, you know, whatever it may be. But I think selling whatever ticket price you choose, 
comes from having a confidence on the phone. You have to be confident in you as a coach and what you're selling. And I think that's where the, the price comes and being able to, to um, sell at that whatever price you choose. That's good lessons there. Do you usually always do phone calls or you tend, would you send up like a Zoom or a Google Meet or something like that? It's usually always phone calls. I always offer if they want to FaceTime or Zoom, but usually it's it's phone calls. And um, I don't, I usually do a lot of FaceTiming and Zooming with my girls that are already in my program. So that's where I really mm-hmm. utilize face-to-face because I feel like that's a different connection. You have a little bit, you know, now, now we're face-to-face as much as we can be virtually. And it's a little bit different of a connection, but most all is over the phone. For sure, I do two phone calls. I do like a 10-minute quick just to make sure we're both on the same page. They know that this is an investment because sometimes I get women on the phone who think that it's totally for free, and um, mm-hmm. which is fine. I have like free pod- products that I can give them and say, here, try this. Let me know what you think. But my programming itself is all completely customized and tailored. So I have to make sure that they know that this is what I do for a living. And also I need to make sure that they're a good fit for my program. So I actually don't take in everybody into my program, um, but it's it's simply because I want to take on women who are ready and they're just like a hell yes, I'm ready to go. I need to solve this area of my life. And other times Mm. I get women who are like, I just want to grow my booty or something like that. And that's not what I do. You know what I mean? I have a booty guide for that and it's free. So go download that. (laughs) But but what I really love to do is the lifestyle and the health changes, stuff like that. So I just make sure we're on the same page with that first call, first quick 10 minutes. And then after that, it's a longer kind of dive a bit deeper call where we talk about the program, we talk about their whys, we get a little more emotional, what are their obstacles, you know, we dive a little bit deeper there. And then at the end, it's the, okay, here's what the program is, here's how much it costs, here's what you get from me, and what you can expect. Um, And then we go from there. Awesome. How did you refine your system? um, Or really, how did you become the best at like in women's health? What was that process like? Oh, so much feedback. Um, I was constantly asking for feedback. And honestly, I think a lot of, um, I don't, I I think it's, this is hard to talk about without me feeling like I'm tooting my own, tooting my own horn here. Um, But I am super intuitive and I make connections really well with women. I'm really good at making connections. I'm really good at talking to women and I'm super intuitive. So a lot of the times I can reword problems that they're having to make more sense to them than they can even make sense of it in their head. So I think that that one, that takes practice, but two, I also feel like that's almost um, something like a part of me that I don't really know where it came from, but I just feel like that's one of the reasons why I can be so successful and help these women is because again, it's not necessarily about a perfect program. It's about dealing with past, you know, emotional injuries and really healing those parts of our past and then figuring out a really strong why. And in order to do that, you have to give someone a safe space. I mean, really, if we're talking about, you know, family past issues, you know, maybe your mom was really cruel to you or your dad was really cruel to you you're basically opening up to a stranger and you have to give your people a safe space to do that. And I'm, I've been able to tweak that over time and be really confident having those hard conversations with, with my girls. Um, So I think Mm -hmm. that's been really what 
where my success has come from is because I have I have the ability to connect very easily with women, and then I also um, I can I'm just more intuitive when it comes to you know okay these are past problems like let's let's figure it out I hear you this is what I see is this right and you know just having giving them safe space but I think that's really where it comes from and that's why my clients do well is because we actually heal those emotional triggers those emotional injuries is what I like to call them just because I relate it back to you know if you're an athlete I work with a ton of ex-athletes. And if you're an athlete and you get injured, you have to do physical therapy in order to go full force again. And it's the same thing with, with past emotional and mental injuries. If you don't fix that right off the bat, you're going to struggle with those throughout the rest of your sport, right? So the, I use the sport as the rest of your life. If you're creating a lifestyle for yourself, those injuries are going to constantly pop up again. And they're going to cause issues unless you handle them before we even, you know, go down the rest of our life path. So I think that's where um, a lot of coaches and trainers miss is that it's not just staying the course with diet and and exercise, because a lot of the times it's a lot harder for, um, you know, women or your clients than it is for you and me, um, because maybe we don't struggle with the same past mental or emotional injuries and with with coaching, you, you have to take that into consideration. You have to coach and tailor everything, including your mindset coaching to this specific client, because if you don't mindset coach and if you don't help them mentally, usually their results will come maybe in 12 weeks, but they're not going to be able to maintain it. And that's not the goal. At least it shouldn't be a goal as, as a trainer or coach. Totally. That's awesome. So it's really, your philosophy from what I'm getting is, is looking at the whole picture. You're not just looking at one side of, of these women, right? Yes. It's the entire picture and everybody is different. Everybody needs to be coached differently. Everybody has different, like different emotional and past traumas and those have to be solved in order for them to not, you know, do the exercise and the nutrition from a place of hate. Like I, I have to switch that mindset a lot for a lot of women is they're doing these things, not because they want to be healthy and they want their body to function properly. They do it because they hate what they see in the mirror and they hate themselves and they're not confident mm. and they're looking for something else. And instead it, we need to shift that into you're worth it. You deserve a body that you that you love to be in that functions properly, that feels good, that gives you energy, that sleeps well. And then on top of that, then the, the benefit of that is it shows on the outside, but if we're working from a place of hate, it's never maintainable. It's not going to be maintainable or the extreme of that is eating disorders, extreme body dysmorphia, you know, that type of thing. And obviously that's not, that's not health. So Yes, I would. It's it's an overall an overall health. You have to start with your mental your mental state before you can expect your exercise and your nutrition to be stable and lifelong. Totally. So for those mental states, like I kind of want to go into two things off of this. One, like, what are some tactics or initial things you help your clients and teach them do for the mentality? and to change that. And then the mm -hmm. second would be, if we talk about the body now, like what is your specific philosophy when it comes to programming? Okay. So 
with the uh, mental side of things, it depends on what they've gone through. But if we're talking, we can go back to the example of doing this out of hate versus love. Um, what I have them do is I actually, if they, if they stand in front of a mirror and they say, I hate my stomach. Well, then I have them text me at that moment or they write down in a journal, whatever they're comfortable with. I tell them to send me three reasons or three things that they love about themselves, whether it's it can be their eye color or their nose shape or, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. But when we talk negative, we need to hear and switch that positive right after that. So we start to shift. We we talk in a um I mean, we hear ourselves talk all the time. And if we are constantly talking negative about ourselves, then we're never going to hear anything positive. So it's just a habit shift is what it is. It's practicing positive self-talk. And it's hard Mm -hmm. to do. It's really freaking hard to do. And I think everybody deals with it in a sense, even men, um, just being able to say, you know what, maybe I need to work on this. But, you know, if, if you're doing everything that you can to work on yourself and give yourself a little grace if it's not happening in the time frame that you wanted it then it doesn't you know what it sucks of course we had expectations for ourselves but it's yourself grace and it's hard to shift habits shifting habits is hard especially habits you've been doing your entire life it's not going to happen in a week it's not going to happen in two months it's going to be a lifelong journey for you in order to in order to switch those habits, but eventually you'll be able to look in the mirror and give yourself love and say, you know what? I want, I'm working on this. I'm doing everything that I can to flatten my tummy. And I just need to give myself a little grace, give myself some time and go forward. I think that accepting and and understanding how the body works and it boils down to education really helps that because a lot of women want to get results and they see these results, crazy results in 12 weeks, eight, 12 weeks, and what they don't understand is it's usually a fad diet. It's usually extreme. It's not maintainable. And mm-hmm. on top of that, it, it is almost a, um, like they don't understand the, the, the physiology. So if you put on 10 pounds over the course of two years, don't expect it to come off in two months. It's just not going it, to, it, it doesn't work like that. Unless you do something extreme, the slower your progress, honestly, the more maintainable it is. So it's, Um, shifting that and just educating on that regard where it's again shifting a perspective talking kindly to yourself shifting that perspective or that habit excuse me and then also educating and understanding how the body actually functions and how it works and that we don't want to do this in extreme way and my clients come to me because they've tried everything that's extreme they've done all the fad diets it doesn't work they get rebound weight things like that and now they're ready for a lifestyle but since they're so used to the dieters mentality and they're so used to these quick results it's hard to get them to understand that that's not normal that's not healthy and so you have to go back as a coach and educate on how the body actually works what's good for it what's healthy for it and why the slower the progress the more maintainable your results will be. Does that make sense? Mm. No, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, you're going to have to remind me of your second question. I'm sorry. Sure. Second question was more based on training philosophy. So yes. once someone's mindset is set, how do you develop a training program? What does your kind of um, program look like? 
yeah so they go through i mean i take all the information i take notes during both onboarding calls onboarding and application calls i take a ton of notes whether it's injuries um you know mentality issues and then also um uh, how they've been working out what they've tried that's a big question i'm like okay what have you tried um so that i it also helps me like if they've done macros and it didn't work or they've done intermittent fasting and it didn't work or you know whatever whatever fat diet they did um narrow narrow down what I need to do and then I take into consideration their job I work with a lot of nurses and doctors so their jobs are always hectic and their schedules are always different and they're always changing so I make sure and tailor their workouts they're quick and effective maybe they only work out three to four days a week but their nutrition goes along with those workouts so if they're only working three days working out three days a week then they don't need to eat as much as much food over the course of the week. So it's all, I mean, the, the, the overall system that I have is it's completely tailored. So I don't have one cookie cutter program. I, I tweak. It's all completely um, tailored to what they need nutrition wise. Um, and then also in the, in the gym as well, their schedules have to be, they have to line up. Otherwise, you know, a doctor's not going to come home from a 15 hour shift and then be excited about working out. It just isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. So we make sure and not totally. schedule those those exercises and those um, workouts around, you know, their their work hours and things like that. But the the philosophies and things like that are pretty basic. I mean, calories in, calories out. I don't think that it's anything special. We make sure that their their hormones are on point. A lot of women deal with hormone issues, um, and so we give them if we after about a month or two and we're not seeing maybe the progress that we're looking for we send out a dutch test to make sure that their hormones are you know on point their cortisol levels aren't super high um, because if they are then we're not going to see progress we can do everything right in the kitchen we can do everything right in the gym but if their hormones aren't in place and they're not sleeping well and their lifestyle is super stressful and we don't have those lifestyle changes we're not going to see the results that we're looking for so it's literally completely tailored to hormones, their current lifestyle, their career. Um, and with nutrition, it's depending on, you know, what their, what their goals are. Um, it's say it's fat loss, it's less calories in than, than calories out until we get to a point where they're starting to gain muscle a little bit, then we can up their calories and they need more, you know, and their metabolism starts to shift. Everything is completely, completely tailored at like really four weeks at a time. We sit down every four weeks and analyze their, their profile. So that's awesome. It sound, sounds pretty in depth. It is. It has to be. I mean, there's so many yeah. cookie cutter programs out there now that, you know, work for 12 weeks. But if you want something that's going to work lifelong, it, it's it has to be super. It has to be highly tailored to not only how your body functions, but also your career and your current lifestyle for sure. Totally. You said you send them out for a Dutch test. I don't think I've ever heard of that. What is mm-hmm. that? Yeah, so a Dutch test is basically you are, um, it's like a little, it comes in a little care package, basically, and it you pee on a stick, and, um, or some, some are different, so it depends on which one you get, they either pee on a stick, or they um, pee in a, like a urine sample cup, and it, it is a, it, tests your hormones it comes back you send it in and it gives you back a full hormone um, hormone panel which is really cool because then you can go in and see if cortisol levels are high you can see um, 
you know, if they're, how they're fasting glucose is, if they, you know, I always have my girls pee first thing in the morning before they've eaten anything. So that's like fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see they're fasting glucose that way. You can see how their adrenals work in the morning. Um, but it's a really awesome and accurate way to test hormones. And a lot of the times it helps me understand how their bodies are working. We can switch their nutrition, try nutrition and a a different way than we're usually doing it. And then from there, if that doesn't work, then I always say, okay, you need to go in, you need to go into a doc, a hormone doc, that's going to be able to digest this a little bit further. Um, But yeah, the Dutch test just gives us a, a, basically a visual of what's going on on the inside with hormones and what, what organs are functioning properly. Maybe, um, maybe their adrenals aren't, aren't functioning in the morning. Super great. That usually means there's a ton of inflammation. Um, their adrenals are kind of burnt out and we need to go on it like a non anti-inflammatory diet, make sure we really focus on inflammation and also estrogen and sex hormones are super important to look at. Um, and cortisol Mm. is the other one that we really, really focus on because we all run high stress a lot of the times. Um, and that, that, that plays a big role of course. And, uh, you know, we need, then we need lifestyle changes. It's not necessarily nutrition or the programming that's not working. It's the current lifestyle and the stress relieving lifestyle that we need. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I've never heard of that. It's really cool to, to be able to look at that and adjust based on that. Yeah, it's great for any coach. Like, and if you're coaching and you're just doing kind of the basics, I just highly recommend they're finding that sleep and hormones are such a huge influence on, on results now. And this Dutch test, like if you, if you're a high ticket coach or if you're, you know, charging what you should be charging as an effective coach, you'll be able to afford to send your client a Dutch test. I mean, it's like a hundred and I think 129 bucks for one test. Um, but mm-hmm. on the business side of things, it's tax deductible and it goes, <laughs> you know, it gives you a really good insight in, in, in the, how to structure programming. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Where do you, where do you see the health and wellness industry going in the future with everything going on? And obviously you're already online. Do you see it continuing to go that route? Do you see shifts? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I do. I do see shifts. I think, uh, especially with women, if we're, if we're talking specifically with women, I think that they're much more comfortable in their homes working out. Now, the flip side of that is a lot of the times we have a different mentality when we walk into the gym, right? So everybody's kind of been struggling. I don't know how you worked out with, with COVID, but working out inside in your apartment or in your, in your house, like where your couch is, it's so shitty. I hated it. I just like, I have a different mentality when I Mm -hmm. walk into the gym you know what I mean you're just like ready to get shit done and in your house you're sitting on the couch and then you stand up walk two feet forward and then you lift some dumbbells it's like that is the worst (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean yeah (laughs) so so, uh, I don't it's it's tough to say but I I do think that especially after after COVID I think people are really comfortable working out at home I think a lot of people are itching to get back into the gym too but I think a lot of, I think that working out at home videos, things like that, I think that'll come back quite a bit more than it has. I think people are, I mean, I've heard of people producing those, those workout videos like um, P90X, I think it's called, you know, those things that were around probably mm. 10, 20 years ago. Um, but we, 
got away from those because gym culture blew up and now we're back in our homes. And I think those will kind of, I think those will kind of start to pop up again. I've already started to see them pop up more and more, but um, I've heard in the industry that those are probably going to be going to be the way to go. And I also hope, Mm -hmm. I hope, and I, what I've seen is that is the mental changes that need to happen with, with fitness and wellness. Um, There's a lot more fitness influencers talking about mental and nutrition just about going to the gym and working your butt off it's literally it starts with your mentality and your from there it needs to be tailored so I'm hoping that these fad diets go away they're cash cows right now which is why everybody is doing them Um, but I'm hoping that people start to realize that the fad dieting is just it's not going to work so I think I think at home is going to continue I think that is going to still become a space. I think that more portable um, workout equipment is going to be a thing. I'm starting to see it pop up too. People are all of a sudden starting to, you know, shift with the market, which is great. But I think once gyms mm-hmm. come back, I think, um, I think it'll probably go back to normal, but who knows when that's going to be, you know what I mean? I have no idea what that looks yeah. like in the future with COVID. So yeah, the whole industry is shifting. It's wild. It is wild to watch. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. We're living through it. <laughs> I know it's crazy, but it's been it's so, been a great learning experience. I think for a lot of trainers and business owners, you kind of realize where your loophole, where the loopholes are, and what you need to teach. And now you need you need to shift as a coach too. You can't just stay the same. Yeah, totally. So it's been a good learning experience. Yeah. yeah, shifting and pivoting. You have to. If you don't Absolutely. pivot, you know you're gonna. It's gonna hurt you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So so Sam, let's wrap this up. Let's come up with any final thoughts that you have, where can people learn more about you and where's your favorite place to travel since you like to travel? My favorite place to travel. Um, so I, a final thoughts. I just think if you're a coach, um, listening to this podcast, I think shifting your programming to highly tailored coaching is going to be one more lucrative and fulfilling for you. And two, it's going to get you more success for, for your clients. And if you are someone who is struggling with their health and wellness, I think that you need to find someone who is educated that can teach you things about your body, about nutrition, about exercise science. Um, so you have a solid foundation to move your forward, even post coaching, Um, And someone who's going to tailor it to your body and what you need. And then um, my favorite place to travel is, hmm, that's so tough. I think my favorite (laughs) place that I've ever been that I'm going to, I will make it back at some point in my lifetime, but is Africa. I went to, we went to South Africa. We went up to Tanzania, Kruger National Park. Um, It's just, it's. There, no, there aren't really words to describe it. If you can go up there and, and, and see the culture and interact with the people and see these animals in, in real life, you'll never want to go back to a zoo ever. Like I cannot go to zoos. I just couldn't imagine seeing these animals in cages now after seeing them on a safari. Um, and you yeah. learn a ton. You learn a ton. It just, it, it oddly feels like home. Like you just feel home there. And there's like always this pull for me to, to go back and be immersed in that culture again. So I would love to go back there. That was my favorite place, probably the most magical moving place that I've ever been. Um, and I also love Tulum. Tulum, Mexico is my other, my other favorite. Nice. I never even, never heard of that. 
yeah you should it's beautiful it's it's incredible it's it's becoming more popular but I I digress um (laughs) and then with with me on social media Sam Davis 19 on Instagram is the best place to find me Uh, that's where I provide the most information and the most value and and education at this moment awesome Sam thank you so much for for doing this I really appreciate it absolutely it was a blast thank you for having me absolutely have a good one thank you you too bye (laughs) bye Thank you for joining us today and listening to the iHealth Podcast. Visit us at ironhealth.co for resources and more information about us. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, both at ironhealth.co. Stay healthy and keep moving.